Uh, well, good morning, everyone. And uh, good morning to you if you're uh, joining us on the live stream today. It's uh, great to have you with us uh, this morning, and we uh, hope and pray that it's an encouraging time for you as well. Uh, folks, why don't we uh, spend some time uh, just uh, bringing uh, ourselves before God as we uh, think about his word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we want to thank you for this amazing passage of scripture, and uh, we pray now that uh, you would quieten our our minds and our hearts, uh, Father, that we would uh, uh, hear and receive your word and that it would uh, reshape us uh, in terms of our minds, in terms of our wills, that we would live lives that are worthy of you. And we pray these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, our family once went on a, on a cruise. Uh, it was a, uh, a relatively small cruise ship which I thought was good because uh, you don't get so easily lost and it's easier to uh, get to know other passengers. Uh, not so easy, though, when we sailed into a storm. Uh, I remember that very clearly that night. The, uh, uh, the storm was so great that the, the sh and the, the ship was so small that the ship rocked and rolled from side to side. And uh, when I got up in the morning, I looked at the swimming pool and it had half-emptied itself and uh, half of the crew, I was told, were sick in bed in their dorms, and uh, the dining room for breakfast was a mess because nothing would stay on those tables. Imagine a worse situation. Uh, you're in an even smaller ship. It's a small timber ship. Uh, you're out at sea. You're being battered by hurricane-force winds, you're way off course and you're in grave fear for your very life. Exhausted and hungry, you decide to eat what you think may very well be the very last meal of your life when someone else on board decides to pray and to give thanks to God for the food that you're about to eat. Can you imagine that? I mean... Uh, you know, in that kind of situation, we can well imagine people praying, <laughs> but not prayers of thanksgiving uh, for the food. Uh, I can well imagine people praying prayers of despair, uh, praying that uh, God would rescue them, praying for help. And yet in Acts chapter 27, thanksgiving is exactly what the Apostle Paul leads people in prayer uh, in a situation just like that. Uh, why? Why would he do that? Why would he thank God in that kind of situation? Uh, indeed, I think it's worth asking the question, why would any of us want to thank God uh, when we are in difficult uh, circumstances of life, the uh, storms of life, uh, if you will? Why would we thank God uh, in not only good circumstances, but in bad circumstances? Well, to understand this, we need to remember why it was that Paul was at sea in hurricane-force winds. Uh, in Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul is on a journey, and it's a, it's a gripping story, isn't it? It's a, it's a gripping account uh, which gives us actually insight into sea travel uh, 2,000 years ago. Because as we saw last week, uh, Paul uh, was a prisoner 
and he was a prisoner who had been uh, on trial uh, in the city of Caesarea before the, uh, the Roman governor and before the king. And as a Roman citizen, uh, we learnt that Paul appealed his case to be heard by Caesar in Rome. Um, Caesar, who at that time, by the way, in the uh, date for this is most likely the year 59 AD, uh, when the Caesar in Rome was Emperor Nero. So as we move now into Acts chapter 27, the prisoner transfer begins. And if you'd like to open up your Bibles uh, at that passage, that would be great. Um, in Acts chapter 27. And let me just read again from verses 1 and 2 uh, where it says, When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over uh, to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the imperial regiment. We boarded a ship from Adamitrium about to sail for parts along the coast of the province of Asia and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. Now, what we notice here is that um, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the author starts to use the personal pronoun, doesn't he? Um, he he starts to talking, not talking about Paul and them and they, but he's using the word we. He's, he is now writing himself into the account uh, because now Luke has joined Paul. And I think that um, uh, goes a long way to explaining why we have such a detailed account of, the, uh, of what follows. Um, Luke is now travelling with Paul, as is another Christian, a man by the name of Aristarchus, who, uh, who appears, appears a number of times in the book of Acts and uh, in Colossians chapter 4 is described by the Apostle Paul as being a fellow prisoner, although not on this occasion. So what we see here is that Paul is not alone and along with other prisoners uh, he is placed in the custody of a centurion by the name of Julius. Now uh, from Caesarea and we, there is a map on your outlines if you can see the map and uh, you can see that on the screen as well. Uh, from Caesarea uh, we see that they boarded uh, what was really a smaller ship uh, which would take them on the first leg of their journey uh, where the first sign of trouble emerges in verse 4, where Luke says that the winds were against us. Uh, and that's why they didn't uh, sail directly from Caesarea to the port, uh, which is called Mira, but they sailed between, notice that they sailed between the mainland and uh, the island of Cyprus. Um, and that's called uh, sailing to the lee of Cyprus, because they were, that was where they got shelter, uh, shelter from uh, the wind. Uh, and then when arriving in Myra, they changed ships to a cargo ship, uh, which was large enough to take them for the, the long part of their journey uh, across the uh, sea all the way to Rome. Uh, the ship, we're told, was an Alexandrian ship. Um, it came from uh, Alexandria in Egypt, and it was from Egypt uh, where a lot, of, a lot of agriculture, a lot of grain uh, was exported from North Africa, from Egypt, uh, to supply Rome. And because of headwinds, uh, they kept on being blown off course uh, 
so that in verse 7, notice on the map that they sailed uh, to the southern side of Crete. And that was, is described in your Bibles as being to the lee of Crete because uh, in, at that particular time, uh, they were getting shelter by doing so. And they dropped anchor uh, near a place which has got the lovely and delightful name of Fair Havens. Do you see that? It's where I'd like to go on a Mediterranean cruise or an Adriatic Sea cruise, wouldn't you? And drop anchor at a place called Fair Havens. And uh, it was nice there. And uh, Paul actually wanted them to, uh, to stay there uh, until the weather conditions uh, improved. Um, and it says in verse 9, it says, Because much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. And so Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. That's why Paul encouraged them to just stay there at Fair Havens. Uh, and yet uh, the centurion uh, and the ship's pilot and the owner of the ship uh, ignored Paul. Um, they knew that they did need shelter, but they decided to take a risk and to leave Fair Havens uh, for the uh, a better port uh, of Phoenix. Now, sometimes it's worth taking a risk and sometimes it's not worth taking a risk. Like here, the risk was not worth it. Because, friends, the, the timing of this journey was all wrong. Uh, it was not planned around safety, it was planned around commerce and money. It was planned around meeting Rome's demand for Egyptian grain. See, uh, the Romans paid top dollar uh, to any uh, ship owner who would supply them grain during what they called the bad weather season. Uh, they'd also um, compensate them for if their ships got damaged or sunk um, during bad weather season. And bad weather season uh, began around middle, the middle of September. And I think that's why uh, Luke in his account here mentions in verse 9 that it was now after the Day of Atonement, um, which that year, in 59 AD, was October the 5th. So think about it. The bad season begins in mid-September and because they've, they've, of, of uh, the headwinds that they, uh, you know, that, uh, that had meant that they had made very little progress, it is now October the 5th, which means that they are three weeks into the bad weather season. Uh, it's already too late. And as they continued to uh, sail, um, when the, there was a, a gentle breeze uh, uh, blowing, which meant that they could uh, pull up anchor from Fair Havens and continue the journey, but as they continued sailing along the southern coast of Crete, it no longer became a, um, a place where, where they'd be sheltered from wind. Instead, in verse 14, a hurricane-force wind swept down from the island of Crete and smack-bang hit them. So what we 
what happened then is what we see in verses 13 uh, through to 20. And uh, let me explain that. Uh, they lost control of the ship. Um, they had to uh, hoist the, the lifeboat up onto, on, on board because the lifeboat, they couldn't control it. There was... Uh, likely to get loose and uh, um, they'd lose it or it'd smash against the boat, uh, the ship. They had to pass ropes under the ship in order to hold the ship together, uh, which may be because of fear of, of their cargo getting wet because when grain gets wet, what does it do? It expands. And when the, the cargo expands like that, it could, it could pull apart the planks uh, of, the, of the ship itself. And because they were now, um, they couldn't control the ship, uh, it was out of control, uh, they were heading towards uh, sandbanks, uh, then, then they, they lowered the anchor uh, in order to try to, um, uh, to slow down the ship uh, by the, the, the anchor uh, causing the ship, dragging along and slowing down the pace of the, uh, of the ship. And then in verse 18, uh, Luke says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. Not all of the cargo, perhaps the, the top layer of the cargo, but they began to throw cargo overboard and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. That's all of the ropes and the pulleys and, uh, th that is so necessary for that kind of ship. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, which meant that they couldn't navigate, they couldn't see the stars and to navigate from, he says that, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. It's dramatic, isn't it? There's great drama in this. And I think... I imagine non-Christians who love sailing <coughs> would abs be absolutely gripped <coughs> by this passage and think, hey, I didn't know that the Bible could be that interesting <laughs> because it doesn't read like fantasy. It doesn't read like uh, a story that someone's made up. It, it reads more like a captain's log, actually. And the reason for that is that it's true. This is what happened. And they gave up, we're told, all hope of being saved. But would this be the end? <clears throat> now, a couple of years earlier, uh, immediately after, when Paul, the Apostle Paul was in Jerusalem and he'd gone up to the temple to, <clears throat> um, to, to worship uh, and he had been arrested, um, attacked and arrested, uh, the Lord Jesus appeared to Paul. It was amazing. In Acts chapter 23, verse 11, uh, we see that the Damascus Road appearance of Jesus before Paul was not the only time that that happened because there in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, uh, the, uh, the Lord Jesus appeared to Paul and said this, and I quote, he said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Now, you might remember from uh, not so long ago when we looked at the book of Jonah that uh, uh, God actually commissioned the prophet Jonah to, uh, to travel to a particular place, to travel to, 
to Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, which was the heart of the, um, the most significant empire uh, of his day, uh, in order to preach God's word. And you remember what, uh, what Jonah did? God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no thanks, I'm going to jump uh, on a ship and head to, to Spain. Jesus, in Jerusalem, commissioned Paul to go to the heart of empire, to go to Rome, and he promised that he would actually get him there. And whereas Jonah tried to avoid God's will, Paul was faithful to it. He wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to preach the gospel even in the court of the deranged Emperor Nero, uh, the man who instigated one of the worst persecutions against Christians, the man who uh, set fire to the city of Rome and then blamed the Christians, the man who would entertain his guests at night uh, with having burning Christians to light up his gardens. And yet Paul would go to Rome. And to encourage Paul, when even experienced sailors had given up all hope, God reminded him of his commission. In verse 23 uh, and verse 21 onwards, um, uh, Paul gathered together all those who were on the ship in order to encourage them to take up, to take courage. And he encouraged them by saying these words in verse 23. He says, last night an angel of, of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, said Paul, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. It's good having someone on board in a crisis who can calm the situation down. I mean, 1912, the um, ship, the Titanic, which was considered to be the greatest ocean liner uh, in the world at that time, um, it hit an iceberg. And uh, when it was obvious that the ship was sinking... People panicked. Everyone on board almost panicked. And people panicked as they rushed uh, to, uh, to get onto the lifeboats. Uh, not everyone panicked. There were eight classical musicians on board who decided that they were going to just keep on playing music. Keep on playing music. You know the tune that they played? Um, in order to uh, calm people down, so that people would just <clears throat> stop being so frantic and would get more safely onto those lifeboats. Uh, they just kept on playing the tune, the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee. And they kept playing and they went down with the ship. Heroes. Absolute heroes. But Paul here is not just calming people down. He's offering them hope. He's offering them certain hope which is based on a promise from the God whom he belongs to 
and in whom he trusts. And everyone will be saved. I reckon, uh, you know, it says there that the angel says to him that God has graciously given you the lives of everyone on board and maybe that was the answer to a prayer of Paul. I reckon Paul would have been praying for the lives of everyone on board that ship, don't you? But even so, even though they will be saved, says Paul in verse 26, they must nevertheless run aground on some island. I wonder what island that would be. Apparently, um, under those conditions, and there goes my clicker, can't see anything happening. The map, please. <clears throat> Apparently, under these conditions, uh, it would take two weeks to sail uh, from, um, uh, from Crete, you see Crete there, uh, over to Malta. And uh, Luke tells us in verse 27 that on the 14th night since leaving Crete, the, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. And so what they did was they took soundings. That's what it says in your Bibles there. They took soundings. Uh, basically what that means is that they, dripped, uh, they dropped some, uh, some lead weights uh, which were hollow and which were filled with, uh, with grease, like an oily kind of substance which would pick up uh, stuff from the, uh, the, the, the sea floor. And uh, when the, uh, the weights hit the bottom... They could calculate the uh, the depth by simply measuring the um, the, the cord um, that it had taken to get to that point in uh, to get to the bottom. Uh, first, it was forty meters. Then, a bit later, they took another sounding. It was thirty meters, and you know what's happening there? It's getting shallower and shallower as they approached uh, land, as they approached and entered Malta in what is now unsurprisingly called St. Paul's Bay. Mm. But the sailors, they're actually in fear. Uh, it's night time. Uh, they don't know uh, where they are, and the ship may be smashed against rocks and sink. Now, this is actually a very dangerous situation now. And so what do the sailors do? Well, first of all, we're told that they tried to slow the ship down and uh, they prayed to their pagan gods uh, for daylight to happen so that they could see what was happening. And then in verse 30, just when the sailors were most needed on board the ship, what did they do? They tried to abandon ship. They pretended that they were going below, you know, below uh, to, in order to do some stuff, but what they were in fact doing was they lowered themselves in order to steal the lifeboat, to take off in the lifeboat and leaving everyone else on board to drown. Uh, Paul alerted the soldiers who then um, cut the ropes uh, from the lifeboat so the lifeboat just drifted away and the sailors could not escape. Now imagine if you were a passenger. Imagine how frightening it would be for you to see that uh, and to know that even the sailors had given up uh, all hope and had jumped ship. Which is why in the pre-dawn darkness, Paul gathers people together 
He encourages them to eat some food and promises them that not one of them would lose even a single hair. And then he gave thanks to God in front of every person on that ship. 276 people in all. People who would soon have more reason to thank God than just for the food in their bellies. A sunrise uh, revealed for them a bay with a sandy beach. But there were still dangers. Um, it's why the sailors tried to jump ship. Um, firstly, the, the ship got stuck on a sandbar and was broken up um, by the pounding surf. And here in Port Macquarie, if you think about our history, uh, we know it's when the ships uh, tried coming into, you know, from into the river and hit a sandbar, that's when they would uh, break up and people would drown. Uh, they got stuck on a sandbar. Secondly, um, the centurion had to stop the soldiers from trying to kill all of the prisoners uh, because they didn't want the prisoners to escape and for them to be held accountable for that. They would be punished for that. And thirdly, not everyone on board knew how to swim. So this was a dangerous situation. But under God's sovereign care, this chapter ends with four beautiful words. Everyone reached land safely. How about that? Friends, Paul was not the owner of this ship. He was not the captain of the ship. He wasn't the centurion on the ship. Paul was a prisoner on this ship. And, you at, and yet throughout this terrible journey, he emerges as a leader. He emerges as a leader because he is level-headed. He is not motivated by uh, fear or self-interest. He is calmly confident. And why is he so? Because he trusted in the promise of God. That's why. Take courage, the Lord Jesus had told him. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Would God be true to his word? You know, uh, it would be so easy for Paul to say, um, I trust in God, uh, if it was smooth sailing to Rome. And yet our trust in God is tested not when life is easy. Our trust in God is tested when life is difficult, when it's tough. Uh, when our circumstances tempt us to, to lose hope, uh, when our situation uh, makes us think that God is not, think, is not faithful to us and we don't trust in God's promise. What is it that God has promised us? It's the hope which is held out for us in the gospel that regardless of the trials and the uh, difficulties that we may face in life, nothing changes the fact that Jesus died on a cross, that he rose from the dead for our forgiveness and that we will live eternally with the Lord. That's the promise that God has given us. And this is not wishful thinking. It's a certain promise and it's a promise which strengthens us uh, to not lose hope, uh, to not abandon ship um, 
spiritually, when it gets tough being a Christian, uh, where, when the world seems to be more, um, more attractive. It's a promise which encourages us uh, to grasp hold of the gospel firmly and not to move from the hope that we have in the gospel. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, when the, uh, the Apostle Paul is in, encouraging Timothy, he encourages Timothy to, to hold on firmly to the faith and, uh, and, and not, to, uh, not to let go of the faith, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he says some people have done that. There are those who have rejected the faith. He names them as Hymenaeus and Alexander. And what have they done to their faith? What have they done to their lives? Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, they have shipwrecked their faith. They have shipwrecked their faith. Uh, later in chapter 6, he talks about some who, have, who are eager for money have wandered away from the faith and have shipwrecked their lives in the process of doing that. Grasp hold of his promise firmly. Don't move from the hope that we have in the gospel because we know his promise that regardless of whatever happens to us in life, uh, whatever challenges, whatever difficulties, whatever temptations, whatever trials that there are, that nothing, 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 not even death itself, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I reckon that's something to be thankful for, don't you? And Paul says elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians to, be thank to rejoice and to be thankful in all circumstances because we've got a reason for gratitude, a reason to be thankful, the sure promise of God that we will arrive at our heavenly home because of what Jesus has done for us. Next week, uh, we learn about snake bites in Malta. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we want to thank you for your sure and certain uh, promise the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for um, Paul's faithfulness, that uh, he didn't uh, reject your promise, that he didn't distrust your promise, that he hold, held firm, and uh, as a result, um, people were saved, and uh, he uh, would eventually get to Rome to preach the gospel. We just pray for ourselves that we would be people who hold firmly to your promise, that we would not let go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.